Dante Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che gol! 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 È il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but. Oh, Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. to have you with us on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Go, 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 go. Disappointment. I'm not feeling good today. My Germans score four goals. They beat Costa Rica four to two. They're done. They're not advancing. Why? Because España can't beat Japan. I'm a little irate today, Marky Mark. A little irate today gonna have to vent some frustration is it a terrible tuesday thunderous thursday my thunder is coming out man i do love soccer but it drives me nuts sometimes like today craziness we'll talk a little world cup with our not so intuitive world cup advisor tj reeves joins us from florida but we'll talk a little soccer because tj reeves is in the Paul, butt power, striker, pitch power, Stuart Poole that uh, we both are in. So uh, we'll talk about that. But more importantly with TJ Reeves, we will, he is the Buck sideline reporter. So we'll talk a little Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they will get ready for a Monday night football game against the New Orleans Saints coming up here in a few days. So look forward to that. But yes, heavy football on tap today. Football in football. So take your pick. All right, we got it all covered for you today. Uh, strong guest lineup once again. As usual. So Jay Schrader will be joining us. The quarterback. Don't tell Steve Berline that as far as the quarterback of, of this show here. All right. So uh, Jay Schrader will be joining us. The uh, former Washington Redskin World Championship quarterback. And, of course, former Raider quarterback as well. Pride of UCLA. And uh, we'll talk to Jay Schrader about the Pac-12 Championship game coming up tomorrow night. Can hardly wait for that at Allegiant Stadium. USC and Utah game uh, nearly sold out. Uh, remember, it's an early start tomorrow at 5 p.m. Looking forward to that. All right, so we'll talk to Jay regarding the Raiders. We'll talk to him a little college football as well as NFL Week 13. Speaking of NFL Week 13, we've got Scott Spritzer, of course, joins us each and every Thursday. Our handicapper extraordinaire, or one of them, I should say, right? And uh, Jay Cornegay will join us as well, too, the vice president of race and sportsbook operations at the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home, which where we will be tomorrow. So come on. Bye. See the show live tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Of course, our best bet segment and everything else that is encompassed in a regular Friday edition of the show at the 
Superbook tomorrow at the Westgate. All right. So, like I said, uh, soccer does drive me crazy at times. And when I talked yesterday about within a 20-second span where you had uh, a goal decided and then a goal disallowed while the other game, uh, the Australians were jumping for joy and uh, you know Tunisia was hanging their heads, uh, is craziness. And the same thing happened again today with the late morning sessions or the late night sessions uh, in, in Qatar around midnight uh, when they were playing this game. But uh, Germany is playing Costa Rica today. The Germans needed a victory. And what they actually needed was to have Spain actually either draw or defeat Japan. And most observers thought, okay, that would happen, especially when you look at the sports books as well, too. Uh, you know, all right, playing a little World Cup theme music here today as I vent my frustrations because Germany wins four to two. And you think, okay, this is good. But then Spain cannot defeat Japan. And all of a sudden, goals just start scoring left and right when there were no goals earlier on in the first half. Germany scored three unanswered goals. They were down 2 1, looked very bleak for them. They tie Costa Rica at two, give them a little life. They take the lead 3 2, thinking, okay, this is good. They score another one, 4 2, but then on the other side, they got to watch their cell phones on the side of the line of the pitch as they see that Spain says, ah, we'll just mail it in. You know, eh, we're going to lose to Japan. No big deal. And then the Japanese are jumping up and down. They're going crazy because not only do they qualify, but they win their group. And then Spain and Germany actually tie. They each go 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their group. And uh, Germany and Spain tied in their last match. But Germany goes home and Spain advances because of the quirkiness that we have in soccer in World Cup play is that goal differential meant a difference. Goal differential. Because Spain crushed Costa Rica in their opening match 7-0. So therefore, the Germans' 4-2 victory wasn't nearly enough. They couldn't catch Spain in the goal differential. So Germany does not get to go through, even though we know that they are one of the 16 best countries uh, in the world and should be advancing in this World Cup. But on the other side, this morning, you got Morocco advancing, and you have major disappointment with Belgium in Canada, who go bye-bye. And talk about a major disappointment. Okay, Belgium not going through, that's a disappointment. But if you're Canada, now Canada isn't fantastic in soccer, but Canada came in here with all of this hype. That, oh, this they got a young team. They were playing so well during the, the course of the World Cup qualifying. You know how many points Canada ended up getting in their group stage? Zip. Nil. Nine. Zero. Zippo. Nothing. No points. Didn't win a match. Nothing. And they go out quietly. So that's the World Cup. So we've got some surprising teams that will be in the round of 16. And Morocco is one of them. Morocco finishes first in their group. Craziness. All right? So uh, we'll continue to, to monitor that. But uh, a very frustrating day for yours truly. Frustrating uh, watching this and just and, and knowing that uh, you know the team you root for is... You know, you know they're, they're one of the best in the country, but they, they have not played that way. Back-to-back World Cups, 2018-2022, the Germany does not 
uh, advance after winning it all in 2014. So, yeah, a lot of heads will be turning over there in uh, Germany throughout the Bundesliga as well. All right, so we talk a little bit about that. Football and a whole lot more coming your way here. All right, let's dive into it. Let's go to Tampa Bay, our man on the scene there. He's got a couple days to relax, recoup a little bit, uh, get ready for his Monday night football game as the Buccaneers will take on the the Saints. The one and only T.J. Reeves joins us. Brother, what's going on? I am here apparently for group therapy and figurative <laughs> hand-holding for you across the country. Uh, I don't here. need my hand held by you, okay? The, now, you give me somebody drums. else. That's okay, but therapy's I, good. I know. Yes. I, I, the doctor the can use therapy. With me. I, yes. Yes. I don't know what I deserve to have the show let off with here, but I, I'm here. I have posted on the program, and I guess for all the ridicule you gave me the last time that I was on that I did not get you a Germany uh, jersey, a World Cup jersey, who knew that I should have been in Tokyo getting you like a Yoshida national jersey for the Japanese team? I don't want, right I don't want a Yoshida Marimuda. And the Germans no, are yes. on the train home. Uh, they are. They are. Well, let's be honest. There's no train that I know that goes from Qatar to, to Germany. So <laughs> I, not even the bullet train would go go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> TJ, I know you're with me. You follow. You follow it too as well. But the bottom line is, we knew this was going to be a strange World Cup because it was in Qatar, Qatar, whatever you want to call it. It was going to be in November and December and not in the traditional summertime. At first, World Cup in the Middle East. But this is some strange stuff, man. And we knew it was going to be strange. Do you call it parody or do you just call it bizarreness? It is bizarreness. It is the World Cup. And, and they have been known, and you've covered this, and I've followed it enough for bizarre, idiotic officiating. I mean, we think it's bad in the NFL and college football and hockey. It's good. And in boxing, by the way, with boxing scoring, it's good to see that even in the world sport, uh, you know, instant replay even, we can't get it right. We can't get it straight. So we see bad calls. We, we see video replay being used. I mean, the controversy is still going on. Uh, it's reverberating from Tokyo to Berlin to Las Vegas. Did Japan's go-ahead goal come on a play where the ball was all the way over the inline and should not have counted? And they even video reviewed it where it looks like the ball is all the way over the line. This is not going to make you feel any better, Doctor. It looks like the ball is all the way over the line as the Japanese player just quickly one-touch crosses it back across the goal uh, for the, for the go-ahead header, and that's huge. Because, again, a Spain-Japan tie would have meant your guys, Germany, would have been fine. Their win now puts them in, but because that goal counts, that puts Japan in, and that puts Spain in. Because Japan needed the extra points for the victory, and Spain would win the head-to-head tiebreaker on goal differential with Germany. So, crazy how it all played out, but I'm just... I'm on your side here that bad officiating reigns worldwide in all of sports. We can't get it straight. No, and here's the thing. You know, video review. We talked about this with uh, with Paul Stewart yesterday. And what you're telling me is is ridiculous because, again, I was watching the Germany game. I was trying to go a little bit back and forth, but I did not see right. the goal. I heard about the goal, and so I didn't see that. But well, it was, let's it, put it this way. There are still photos all over the Internet. There's mm-hmm. video and still photos all over social media and the Internet that that ball is all the way across the line. TJ, do something. Lawless, 
Do something. Right. The Germans have not got right. on the plane yet. Listen, they have not got on the plane yet. There is still time. Heck, it took about an hour and a half for them to make up their mind about the France goal yesterday, right? All that nonsense. I mean, I turned the TV off. It was over. They're jumping up and down. They go, oh, wait a minute. Disallowed, disallowed. The France goal is no good. Oh, to, you know, they lose 1-0. I'm going, what, what happened here? I mean, I found out about an hour yeah. later. So do something, my friend. Get to well, your I- Qatarian friends over there and tell them that Germany... Uh, the Germans stay put. It's not over yet. Go back, reverse this thing. Right. Reversal. So, two out of three falls in a good wrestling match. We would see it overturned. One, two, three. Ring the bell. Foot's not on the rope. No. It always, it always comes back to pro wrestling, and that's why I love you so. So, Alexi Lawless, United States World Cup hero back in the 90s, he's on the coverage on Fox, and he was losing his mind. I'm watching Because it everybody's now. trying to explain. Oh. I'm, I'm talking about on this call. Yes, I'm that, looking at it. That, is the ball not over the line? Yeah, the ball's over the line. And Wallace had a great point, too, that the lines person with the flag, the flag bearer, what, what, what do you call that person? I don't linesman. Know, the ref, linesman. The linesman. Yeah. Well, they had to be linesman women because it was all women in the other match yes, yes. Uh, for Germany and Costa Rica. Correct. But the lines person, let's just say, okay. to be politically correct, has the flag up. And as Alexi Wallace pointed out, what? that flag is up for the ball being out of bounds. Come so on! the replay... As we know from the National Football League and college uh, you know, football, if the call on the field is the ball is out of bounds because the flag is up, then the replay has to conclusively show that it is in bounds uh, on that goal. And again, the reason why we're nitpicking this and hopefully not boring everybody to death is that's the go-ahead goal yes. for Japan in the second half that is the difference in Germany being home and Japan Winning the game and advancing to the group of six. No, you're right. Again, it is not. It's a. It's not only a game changer. It's a tournament changer. But then again, it's a history changer as well too. Because you know, once you get in the round of sixteen, you never know what is going to happen. And if that result stands, Germany would be opening up against Morocco in the round of sixteen, and. Just like they were a a minus 1,300 to defeat Costa Rica today, it would probably be close to that again. I mean, it would have been a great draw for them. So, no, it's history changing. Jobs could be lost here. It's craziness. Insane. Doctor, here's the bottom line. Whether we're talking about this time of the year in college football, where all the Tennessee fans are crying, why can't we get in the college football playoff? Because you got blown out by South Carolina. Win your games. If Ohio State gets left out with one loss, Guess what? Win your games. You were at home last week. Win your games. If USC blows the game not far from where you're sitting at Allegiant Stadium and Utah beats them again and knocks them out of the college football playoff, win your games. And it's no different here in the stretch run of the NFL to win a division. It's no different than March in college basketball. Win your games. And where Germany fell short is they let Japan beat them. And that shouldn't have happened, and now they're headed home on Lufthansa or whatever other airline that they can get to get out of there. No, it's true. You're right. I mean, you got to win your games, but the way soccer is set up, it's it, it's goofy. You go one one and one in your in your group. You think okay, you you advance, and you know your draws against against Spain. And you win four to two today, but it comes down to goal differential. And that goes down. I mean, nobody beats anybody seven nil in the World Cup. And that's embarrassing. Costa Rica gets drill pressed seven to nil. Seven nil. Come on. You need a little and, story and, here. And, that, and that's why they're going home because they had a better goal differential. No, I'm going to, but before you go there, but let me, I'm not sure if you know about this. And I meant to bring this up with Paul Stewart yesterday, our English soccer guru. 
But right. this is how crazy and insane this whole FIFA World Cup and, and soccer in general is. Think about this. Now, if the the that the France, Tunisia, that group and all that stuff, if that would have held the way it did yesterday before that 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 final goal was disallowed, okay, you would have had the same situation as you had here in this Germany group, right? Where it goes to um, you know, goal differential for your first right. tiebreaker, but the goal differential would have been the same. Then the next goal differential with, with Mexico and everybody, they had more uh, yellow cards, like say, than Denmark <laughs> did, right? So it goes to yellow right. cards. It now, total sense no, no, no. tiebreaker that we're going to settle who goes home in the World Cup on how many yellow cards. Oh, no, you got. it gets better. It gets, it gets like, better. That's like in the NFL deciding who moves on to the AFC yes. championship game because you didn't punt as much. Right. What is that? Because they call it. <laughs> sportsmanship and as we uh, know in, in the world of soccer and, and you know with all this other nonsense the political unrest that goes on you know i mean they can say all they want about sportsmanship and glad handing everybody's you know but they, that doesn't apply we know that but if the yellow cards true story now yellow cards are equal just like goal differential what do you think the next tiebreaker is take a wild guess I, I said in, in NFL terms it would be punts. Right. How about corner kicks? I'll go corner kicks. No, Is that the next one. No, nope. took the most nope. corners has nothing to do with anything on the field. What they do is the two representatives from those two teams they gather later on at a restaurant, and, <laughs> and they have a dinner. Right. And they Wait, had no verifiable. Verify. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. They go to a restaurant, a diner of choice or whatever, some neutral site, and they have some vino, they have a meal, and they have a coin flip. They have uh, a cordial coin flip at an undisclosed uh, location <laughs> at a restaurant. True story. And who, wait, wait, wait. And who's this is FIFA. Is, and what is the coin? Is the coin the Euro coin? I have no idea. From the perspective, we have to get technical now. We have to know. find out these answers. We have to find out oh, these answers. Oh, insane. All right, enough of this nonsense. Uh, yes, I'm infuriated and distraught. I will continue watching the World Cup. And now it gets interesting because we have no more draws, no more tie, you know, ties. We go ahead and we get to the knockout round where you have to have a winner, stay on the pitch for an extra 30 minutes. It goes into penalty kicks. That's exciting. And from a betting perspective, there's no three-way action. It's winner, loser, who advances. And that's what I love. That's why I don't like betting uh, on this the three-way action because you got to factor in the draw, you know, and forget that. Right. You know, so... Okay, so, but just let me ask you this before you move on. Do you have a USA Futures ticket did you before the tournament? No, absolutely now not. Absolutely not. For them to get well to... I mean, don't you have a possibility... Uh, on those future tickets, a uh, futures ticket to make the final four, to make the cup final. I got to believe the odds improved, but the futures ticket was probably at least like uh, plus 2,000, maybe plus 5,000 for them to make the final four before the tournament began, right? Well, it's got to be better they, now, they, they only, right? They, they only, the, way, the way they have the wagering is uh, you know, to basically win it all. Uh, they really and don't. That's yeah, it. That's it. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know what those odds were, but I'm guessing it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 or 50 to one. 
That's I'm had to be. Yeah, yeah. We've never made the final four. I know. Much less won the thing. You're you're talking wrong sport here. Okay, you're like Paul Stewart's talking Sweet Sixteen. You're talking Final Four. Okay, we we got a chance for you to a different world. Okay, we got to take you over to to Qatar or Qatar. Okay, you got to get the verbiage right. Okay, remember it's table, it's a draw, it's all this other nonsense. You know, Uh, the ball has pace. Yes, and uh, what was the term they used yesterday? I've never heard this before and even paul stewart said the what's exact the same german, thing what, what's the german word for exit yeah. let's come up with that while you're giving me all the terms yeah. I mean, the german word for exit because that's what they did yeah yeah i think it's uh, it's more of a sound effect <laughs> that we, we can't play right now all right my friend uh so your tampa bay buccaneers they're five oh, yes yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's translate it might, it might be the same they're five and six so they wouldn't advance in any group what's going to oh but they are in that lowly group of the nfc south i guess so uh, what is your take about uh, what's going on with the five and six buckos? It was a much different take until David and Joku's catch on fourth and ten with about a minute left in the game. Actually, about thirty seconds left in the game on Sunday. Because had they finished that off, no matter how you do it, just finish it off, it would have been a three-game win streak. You'd have been six and five. You'd have been talking about gaining momentum. You're coming back home to play the New Orleans Saints, and now because you can't put the Browns away, you lose the game in overtime. All the talk continues to be now midweek on whether or not this team is going to come apart at the seams and whether it's teetering right now on faltering, losing, and and finding their way out of the playoffs. But comically, as you mentioned, somebody's got to win this division. We're 11 games in or 12 games in because two of the teams, the Saints and the Falcons, have played 12 games. Nobody's above 500 at this stage. Now, I don't believe it's going to stay that way. I think ultimately... The Buccaneers will. What else am I going to say on the galactically famous T.C. Martin show that the Bucs aren't going to make the playoffs? I think the Bucs will ultimately make the playoffs, and I think they'll get to nine games. I think they can get this figured out for Monday night, and then you have five games remaining, two of them difficult with the 49ers and with the Bengals, but three of them are the Cardinals, the Panthers, and the Falcons. So you have a chance to get to an eighth win, a ninth win, realistically, and I know people are going to mock that. But guess what? There have been, been recent examples of teams below 500 two years ago. The Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders, below 500, 7-9, got in. Carolina Panthers, 2015, 2015-2014. 2014 Panthers, 7-8-1. And they had to win the last four games to get 7-8-1 and one and make the playoffs. So this has happened before, my friend. But somebody's got to win the division, and the Buccaneers can drive a stake through the New Orleans Saints on Monday night, and that's the only thing you're trying to do now. Make it make it about the, the week right in front of you. Beat the New Orleans Saints. That would put the Saints at 4-9 and nine and basically end it for them. So that's, if you're the Bucks, that's what you've got to do. Tom Brady's got to get it together. The defense has got to get it, get it together and go get a win Monday night. Yeah, but five, you know, five and six. I don't think that you even thought that the Bucks would be five and six uh, with no. the rest of that division. You know, so you know, again. But let's go back to let's talk about let's talk about futures. When the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys opening weekend in Dallas, and then turned around and beat the Saints, who many thought were still going to be fine. I was always skeptical that they weren't going to be fine without Sean Payton and without Drew Brees. But when the Bucks won the first two games on the road, no one, no one. I say a third time on the galactically famous TC Martin show had them. No one had them five and six after a two and zero start on the road. So this is it's dumbfounding. How do you lose in Pittsburgh? How do you lose to Carolina with a third string quarterback and an interim coach? How do you lose that game last week to the Browns? It's it's been dumbfounding. But 
That being said, you win Monday night, you're 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. You're still very much in the hunt. Cleveland, 189 yards running the football in that game last Sunday. Yep. A, little, a little crazy. All right, so Monday night, you've got uh, Tom Brady versus Andy Dalton. This sounds like a pretty good matchup <laughs> in 2005, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, Brady's numbers... They don't look bad. I mean, he, he's thrown for over 3,000 yards. He has 14 touchdowns. He only has two interceptions. But, you know, it just every time we see a clip of Brady, it seems like he's hanging his head. I mean, not Aaron Rodgers S, thank goodness. But uh, what is your take and how frustrating is this for Tom Brady? In a word, very. It's very frustrating. But, I mean, there's components. The offensive line, not as good as we've been talking about on your show, especially the interior line. Number two, you don't have Gronk as security blanket. Uh, number three, he's 45 years of age, and you've been playing with house money on can you make the same throws, can you hold up physically, et cetera, et cetera. And really, on this point, there are some question marks. He missed some throws. He missed Mike Evans in the overtime on the second play of overtime. Uh, he's got two steps on the defender. It is over. If the ball is there, the game is over. And Brady missed him, and Brady owned up to it. After all this was over with, and on his podcast, Monday Night Everybody's Got a Podcast, Brady owned up on, on the podcast. If I throw that ball where it's catchable, we win that game. So some of this you chalk up to being 45 years of age, and, and eventually you don't have the same skill, the same reaction time, the same ability. Father time catches up with all of us. But on the Andy Dalton point, that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting here because there's been clamoring in New Orleans to play Jameis Winston, and I guess Dennis Allen – uh, has just been bent on, we're going to leave Jameis on the bench and we're going to play Andy Dalton no matter what. So I'm curious if Dalton is bad, getting sacked, will will the Saints contemplate going to Jameis Winston in relief on Monday Night Football against his old team? Bearing in mind, Jameis was playing that Week 2 game where the Buccaneers picked him off not once, not twice, but three times, including a pick six in the, in the second half of that game. So there's another subplot on your whole Dalton-Brady thing, Jameis Winston looming as the backup for the Saints. All right. All right, TJ Reeves, uh, more breaking news coming out of your neck of the woods there, you know. <laughs> All right. Oh, he does. He does know where I'm going. Well, let me set the tone here in case I, I'm not going where you're going. But here we oh, go. I know ladies. where you're going. Keep going. All right. Uh, did the initials AB ring a bell to you? Is that yes. right? There we go. And, initials T- and the initials TPD. Keep going. Yes. Antonio Brown is still in Tampa and he's in trouble again. Now, on Monday afternoon, Antonio Brown was in a verbal altercation with a female. Not sure exactly what the relationship is. Maybe our on-the-spot reporter teacher is. Okay. This is his living girlfriend okay. and mother of three of his children. <laughs> okay. Continue. Thank you very much. Uh, or thank you very little. Uh, there you go. Uh, so this altercation got physical. He threw a shoe at her. He attempted to throw her out of the house. And then proceeding to lock her out of the house. Well, of course, the police came. Here we go. Uh, she called nine one one, by the way, and this is on the local news here. <laughs> and she told the nine one one dispatchers he threatened to kill her. Oh wow! By the way. All, right, Continue let, on. all right, so let, let's go to our on the spot reporter outside of Hillsborough County. There, he's uh, he's not on the river. He's not on the boat parade. He is staying outside of Antonio Brown's household, where before we saw Antonio Brown yelling at people that uh, was trying to move his furniture. Now our on the spot reporter T.J. Reeves uh, has maybe have a microphone to the the front door, the back bedroom door of the Brown household. Go ahead. Give us the details. 
All right. So the very latest and, and what I saw before I came on the galactically famous TC Martin show is that Tampa police came to serve the warrant for the arrest on domestic violence charges of Antonio Brown and get a load of this. This is their response. This is the statement they have released. They couldn't get him to come to the door and come out of the house and have chosen not to go inside and arrest him on these charges. So I don't know where it stands. I don't know if we're waiting for darkness, which it's now getting dark in the Tampa Bay area for them to come back with a SWAT team or whatever they're going to do. But he is still in the, in the South Tampa hole where all this is alleged to have gone on. Uh, last uh, Monday, as you mentioned, two days, or actually Tuesday, whichever day it was. It was Monday so and then they Tuesday. Warrant, they have gone to the door, Doctor, and Antonio Proud won't answer the door, won't come out of the house. They, they did not physically remove him yet from the house, but there are domestic violence charges and the uh, the long-troubled receiver from the NFL is back in the news for wrong reasons yet again, so, over and over So again. is the he girl basically... still in the house? Is she still in the no. house? She got away. She escaped. She is gone. Okay. And, uh, and again, the local media, I saw this, uh, just before I came on with you has the 911 call where she is saying he threatened to kill her. And that's part of the reason why the charges are being filed. Uh, and again, you dealt with this briefly during the training camp and the off season of the one year that he was there in Las Vegas. And now, and now we have this whole situation here because he was involved with the Super Bowl team two years ago and then of course the meltdown last year in New York that happened about 15 <laughs> feet away from me as he took off his jersey his shoulder pads on a cold day in New York and said that's it I'm good I'm leaving and ran out the tunnel and took off and waited and got into a went got into an Uber and left and quit the Buccaneers so, and that's what I was gonna say uh, that's the, that's up. what I was gonna say I mean you stole my thunder a little bit I was gonna say the last time we saw Antonio Brown he was last seen jogging off the field there right by you at the Meadowlands yeah. where he's ripping off the shoulder pads and the shirt and the next thing we see that he's trying to get an uber he's the, in the back of an uber and again he 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 and i remember talking with you the day after it happened yep. and he said he she just jogged right by you and you're going you know with your microphone in one hand and your, your headset in the other going like what am i watching here yes yeah. it was the ultimate meltdown meltdown it's one of the most bizarre things and i've been around a lot of bizarre things it's one of the most bizarre things in a live sporting event situation I've ever seen for him to take off and leave during a game. And look, we're laughing about this. He's obviously troubled and he has been, he's been criminally charged over and over again with idiotic behavior and assault uh, and, and uh, abuse of women uh, and things like that. So we're not making light of that, but the latest here is they went to remove him and, and could not get him on his own voluntarily to come out. So now you wonder if they are going to come in and arrest him physically, knock door down, what have you. I don't know. I don't know what the latest is with that at uh, 2.29 Pacific time, three uh, 5.29 Eastern time here on what the police are going to do. But the Tampa police have an arrest warrant for him. That ain't going away, doctor. And, and, They're going to take him into custody. And on Tuesday, the judge uh, denied a petition for a temporary risk uh, protection order to prevent him from possessing firearms or ammunition if he was uh, considered to be a threat to himself or others. So that came down. And uh, yes, we uh, I guess we, we have the latest. We have our uh, other on-the-spot reporter that... Uh, that uh, neither one of us actually know, but they're saying that, yeah, police used a megaphone to call out Brown to come out of the house. They told him this, hey, we're not going anywhere. There you go.
So, uh, uh, so again, it is about to be dark here. It's getting dark here, and you just wonder, are they going to come knock the door in? Are we going to have SWAT people? I'm not exaggerating. that are going to come in and remove him because, once again, these are serious charges, and you don't just get to get to tell the police, you know, kind of like a delivery guy trying to deliver something at your house. No, no, I- I'm good. Go, go take the package somewhere else. No, this isn't. This isn't the delivery guy from UPS or FedEx to plug away. This is the cops. So, yeah, they're not going away. Who's losing it more, Antonio Brown or Kanye West? Uh, great question. Great debate for, bo- for both of them. That's so, I would agree. Uh, T.J. Rees. Well, he'll be uh, there by the, uh, the boat or in the boat on the sidelines there, Monday Night Football. Looking forward to that. Uh, uh, the Saints and the Buccaneers, but we got a football game tonight, my friend. You got a quick take? We got the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Isn't it the last time? How we- often do you get Bill Belichick as an underdog at home? Yeah, I, I know, know you're that. going over that with your handicappers. It isn't that often, yeah, right? I like Buffalo. And they get in this. points with yeah. Buffalo tonight. Are yeah. you on Buffalo? I am on Buffalo. Uh, didn't the last time we see this game at this location, we saw a snowstorm and we didn't see a single pass. Or, or is it a total of three passes? Remember that was a couple of years ago? Remember that? Right. Yeah, it was right. crazy. Well, I mean, Belichick has ways of winning these games, whether they're, you know, 40 to 39 or whether they're six to three with no passes being thrown. I'm just, I'm interested in how does Buffalo respond here when New England is the home underdog and you know Belichick's going to have that defense ready for Josh Allen and company. So that'll be fascinating here in a few hours. No doubt about it. All right, he is TJ Reeves. He is in Tampa Bay. He's the Bucks sideline reporter. And uh, again, uh, TJ Reeves, the archaic World Cup as we talked about before, and you know, I broke down to you that that tiebreaker thing. I actually got the last part wrong, uh, and uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, it was it is not a coin flip when they gather at the restaurant; they draw the name out of a hat. That's right, out of a hat, which is even more absurd. That's even worse. Yeah. I think I, I, I thought I, you were building to something like draw swords or a duel, like a like a pistol no, duel, like in the it old is. days when the, they would go ten paces and turn around at the OK Corral. No, let's let's but have no. a nice meal. Let's have a little wine. Let's have everybody calm down a little bit, and now we'll draw the name out of a hat. Oh. We'll draw the team. That's it. And here's I know you're going to ask me this, but I need to know this myself. What kind of hat is it? Is it a top hat? Is it a magician's hat? Is it a baseball cap? What kind of hat is it? Is it a football helmet? What kind of hats do they have it over there? Thankfully, we don't have to go to that tiebreaker, at least as of yet, but I feel a lot more educated, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. on the World Cup yeah. now because of you. Yeah, Ar- the archaic form of soccer that we know as the world as the world's greatest sport, as they say, TJ Reeves. Even though we are so you know advanced in technology and everything, we still can't get it right that the ball is completely outside of the line. And more importantly, that we're still holding up a board that looks like light bright up on the sideline for the substitutions. Yeah, what is that? We can't just put on the scoreboard like any other sport. We have to hold up this this archaic, you know, light bright board. Remember light bright with the red and the green? I do. Yeah, yeah. It's is that what it looks like to you? What is that thing like about a four by four little board and the guy, uh, you know, hold, the official holds it up over it's his head? Better than holding up the etch a sketch that we used to have. <laughs> I agree. Oh, this, this sport just drives me crazy. I'm about ready to, to bar myself from any further watching of this. You know, and I almost boycotted this thing because it was Qatar. You know, all the deaths, they say, you know, the deaths. Are, are close to a thousand of those workers that worked on mm-hmm. these stadiums. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's sickening. It makes me sick. 
Uh, I'm not used to watching this in November, watching it in a country in the Middle East, especially a country like Qatar. So then, and then now, Germany's out. I think I'm done, TJ. I'm done. I think I'm going to go to the Home Gardening Channel well, or whatever. Do, we do have the three letters USA playing Saturday morning, 7 That's Pacific true. time. So there will yes. be some interest in that. And do we fold immediately in this, or do we stay alive? Uh, to the round of eight, I guess we'll all find the out Dutch, together. The Dutch, the Netherlands, and again, the U- USA could pull this thing off. It's not like the Dutch score a bunch of goals. You know, they're not a big offensive juggernaut. So, uh, USA's got a shot here. They do. No doubt. All right. And oh, by the way, before I let you go, I, I know we're going a little bit long here, but you know, you're in Paul Stewart's soccer pool, just like I am, Correct. right? Okay. And I don't know if you heard me ranting and going off on him yesterday, but you know, he said, Oh, you know, one more day. And I go, well, yeah, Paul, that's the, the, the group stage is, uh, is over. I said, so, uh, when are we going to get the, the brackets for us to choose, you know, part two, the real part? He goes, Oh, we don't do that. Uh, that this, it, it's, I, what do you mean? It's over. I go, that's like a, March Madness pool. Hey, Sweet 16, we cut it off. That's right. I mean, we have to have a winner. I mean, you were picking games where you could pick draws and this and that. What kind of contest is this guy running here? I mean, I've never yeah. been in a contest where you you don't play it all the way out to the end, you know, picking a winner I've here. I've got it. I've got it. Help. Paul Buck Power Stewart contest. He will draw a name out of the derby, out of the hat, <laughs> the upside down hat. That's how he will settle the contest. That is the Brown Derby. There it is. Okay, my there friend. There it is. All right. All right. Well, you you enjoy your uh your your bachelorism that's going on because I know that you have a you know, you have a family that's uh you know engaging more in, in Disney World or whatever. I don't know. A guy who lives in Orlando, I've never seen anybody that has more trips to Disney World in my life. I swear you go there about fourteen times a year. Well, well you have you had a season stop pass. With the possessive you. What stop is- with the possessive you. The possessive is they. My okay. wife, the twins and my in laws love to go there. I'm good for going like once every year. Oh, maybe even once every couple of years, mm-hmm. but they have to go there over and over again. It's only seventy miles away. So they're at the happiest place on earth. They're having a good time tonight and tomorrow. And uh, I just I, I subscribe to the same theory you do. Happy wife, happy life, happy happy kids, happy wife, happy life. So they're off at the happiest place on earth. I'm good. I, uh, I I've got the football. I've got the world sport football. I've got the NFL football. I've got work duties. And, uh, of course, I've got the galactically famous T.C. Martin to rant and rave and keep me company if I need it. I think he just hit the over there. I think that's five galactically famous uh, T.C. Martin shows. You, yeah. you, you hit the over. Pay the man his money. All right. <laughs> Which I saw again. Uh, it was on the other night. Again, I loved I watched. I got to always watch the last 24 uh, minutes of that, you know, when uh, – when uh, Mike takes down KGB, you eat your Oreos while you do it with John Malkovich as the uh, the Russian. Now, now you, you remember what Oreos? the tale is? Remember, you do know what the tale is? Do you know what the tale is? It, when he doesn't uh, eat the filling, right or whatever. Right, right. When he puts it right. to the ear. When he puts it to the ear, but when he has a hand, that's when he bites it. That's when he bites the <laughs> Oreo cookie. Yeah, it only took me about seventeen <laughs> times. How did we uh, evolve from it? the World Cup to the NFL talk? The drawing names out of a hat and now <laughs> quoting 1980s and 90s movies with uh, rounders. Uh, I don't one, know. one of the best of all time. We okay, we'll let you go, Worm. Appreciate you. All right. <laughs> always good to be with you, Doctor. Behave yourself anytime you need me. Let me know, and it. let's see if the Bucks don't get back to 500. Because hey, 
Uh, I got to pay for all these Disney trips, and we need yeah. the playoff check. That's Be it, well, brother. Take care, brother. Appreciate it. There is TJ Rees live from Tampa Bay. All right. Yes. Looking forward to Monday Night Football. Looking forward to Thursday Night Football. And uh, we'll talk to our crew about that and handicap it all here as we continue on a thunderous Thursday. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless. And what I say, you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. <laughs> Don't forget to join us live from the world-famous Superbook. Tomorrow, our Friday home. Love being out there. So come on by. See the show live. Best bet segment and a whole lot more as we preview the weekend action at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right. And our next guest is currently residing there right now, holding the seat warm until tomorrow. The VP of Racing Sportsbook Operations, the one and only Jay Cornegay. Hey, that rhymes, you know? Jay Cornegay. I like that. I like that. I'm going to have to uh, make a rap to that. What's going on, Jay Cornegay? Oh, I, I'm not sure if I want to hear that rap. But, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all good. You know, uh, we had some uh, pretty uh, good uh, soccer action this morning. No, and, Jay. Uh, no, we did not. We didn't have no. Oh, if, 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 if you're wearing a Germany uh, shirt right now, it wasn't very good. Okay. As a matter of fact, yeah. we're, we're pretty irate over here right now, Jay. And I want to know <laughs> what kind of chaos ensued in that book with all the the goals being scored. You've got both games going. I mean, it, it had to be total chaos the last couple days. You know, going uh, looking around 1 p.m. our time, right? Well, yeah. I, you, you... When you go to the fourth tiebreaker, yeah, there's going to be some chaos. It's like, okay, it's like, what happens now? It's like, okay, we were, we, I got to say, we got it wrong a number of times yeah. where we were like thinking, okay, well, they're good now. They can only just need to, they need to score one more goal and they're good. Or, uh, you know, Spain needs to score a goal. I was like, well, which is it? You know, and uh, there was just so many crazy possibilities you know, during, especially today, those last two games, um, you know, it, it, it made it really exciting for, for us. I mean, for uh, the book, the book did pretty good with the, sorry, the the uh, <laughs> Costa Rica result and obviously the Japan result. So those were two really good games for us. The earlier games were okay, nothing nothing great, but the, the late games got some good action, and I think that's all about timing. All right. Now, I, I, we just talked about this in the last segment. I'm not sure you were aware of this, and it wasn't, you know, you're saying you guys got it wrong. If you're listening to the announcers, especially the announcers from the Spain Japan game. And I'm not sure which sound you had on. Hopefully you had the, the, the Germany Costa Rica sound on, but the, 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 the lead commentator, the lady that was doing that, uh, uh, Spain Japan game got it all wrong. They thought, Oh, you know, uh, Germany's going to advance. So they just took the lead three to two. And then someone had to tell her, Oh no, it's going to go to gold differential. So they had it wrong. They had it all messed up. Now, yeah. yesterday, Jay, was really insane because you're dealing with that France-Tunisia game and, uh, uh, you know, then the Australia game and all that stuff going on within a 20-second span. That was total chaos in, in both matches. And what cracks me up is, you know, they play these games at the same time so, you know, nobody can, like, you know, tank or take a dive or, you know, play hard, right? But they all got their cell phones on the on the sideline there, and they're all watching the other game, you know, and then they're trying to communicate with the players on the pitch on what's going on. But here's the craziness. So 
you had Mexico involved with this, you know, Denmark tiebreaker yesterday, and they go, wait a minute, this could really get interesting because it goes to you know the record the points and then it goes to goal differential and that's what knocked germany out you know was the goal differential because right. you know, spain blasted costa rica in their opener you know 7-0 i mean come on who beat somebody 7-0 i mean they that, they should have kicked costa rica out of the tournament at that point in time nobody gets beat by 7-0 but anyway as i digress but going back to yesterday they said, okay, well, it goes points, it goes goal differential, and they were tied at that point in time. They go, this is going to come down to yellow cards, and it's called the fair play, the sportsmanship, you know, award. So whoever has the least amount of yellow cards, they would go on. And then there was a time with a couple minutes left, they go, well, wait a minute. You know, if, uh, you know, Mexico gets, a, gets another, you know, uh, yellow card, this thing could go, it could be tied after that. So, Jay Cornegay, do you know what the next tiebreaker is after that? True story. Do you have any idea? You would think, right? Maybe a coin toss, right? No. True story. The official takes a a representative from the two teams that are involved. They go shower. They do whatever they... They meet at an undisclosed location. I've been told it's at a restaurant of choice. Serve a nice little meal. Have a little vino. And then what do they do, Jay? They draw a name out of a hat. That's how we that's how we determine who goes on to the knockout stage in the World Cup. America's greatest sport. I thought it was right with the I thought it was a coin toss. The fifth tiebreaker is a coin toss. Yeah. But it goes yellow cards and then it goes to a draw out of a hat. Draw of a hat. Now, what kind Uh, of hat? I don't know. I'm really curious. What kind of hat is that? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. I, it's like, yeah. Make sure you, you know, when you reach in there. Okay. Who reaches in, by the way? Th- that's a good question. It's some official, but who knows? I mean, half these guys are dirty anyway, right? We have no idea. I mean, there could be, you know, uh, the, the name of whoever, you know, Mexico, whoever the, the two is between. That could be stuck to the left side of the hat. and Somebody might have some inside information, might have an earpiece there. I mean, who knows with this crazy, v, uh, you know, VAR system that we're saying, but it, it's supposed to be some FIFA official. Yeah. Maybe well, maybe that official should take a shower too before. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, but it's like okay, isn't that the craziest thing? Because I think isn't like the head the head tiebreaker like around the third tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, no, head to head doesn't like, even exist. Like, doesn't even it, exist. It was, yeah. No, I it, thought it was like, in soccer. It doesn't exist. It, that's how crazy and archaic this sport is. Head to head doesn't come into play because we're always used to. You know, head to head, you know, and everything that, that we, we deal with with our. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, it doesn't even come into play. It goes points, goal differential, fewer yellow cards, hat. <laughs> there you go. There's only four. There's only four tiebreakers. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's three and then there's the hat. So you. They, yeah, they, yeah. There's the hat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There it is. Yeah. That's our. Uh, that's and, the World and this Cup. Is, you know, and I, and I really do enjoy it. Especially the World Cup. Me too. You know the World Stage, and and I told you I've, I've gone there, and I've uh, you know I was spent some time in Germany, three years mm-hmm. out there, and and so I got caught up in it, and I started understanding it. I understand, you know, uh, I never knew the tiebreakers though of the World Cup. Um, you know that's, that's different than you know some of the other tournaments, but I've never heard that before. That that is crazy. Could you imagine? 
Okay, Patriots and Bills, you're tied after <laughs> overtime. All right, Patriots, you have four holding penalties. Right, right. Bills, you have five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, could you imagine? Oh, I, I, there'd be an uproar. Of course. So that could be a new prop that you put on the board uh, in the future. You could put, uh, will this go to the hat? That'd be a great prop. <laughs> Minus 2,000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call I it wonder, the, I'm sure it the TC prop. There it is. Go to the hat in the, yeah. in the World Cup group stages. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's actually ever happened. I'm wondering. I'm that, sure that, it has. You, probably. I mean, it's in, in there. I mean, over the course of time, over 100 plus years, you would think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought that the fourth tiebreaker really was a coin toss i was like wow that's yeah. a big coin toss yeah right exactly no nope. draw that yeah, don't, don't, but <laughs> jerome bettis out there you know <laughs> yeah and, and, and you never know i mean they probably don't want to do that because they watch some some nfl playoff games of super bowls where they had the referee call the call heads when it was tails remember that we had a couple of those yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah they screwed it up on thanksgiving day yeah right I, that's you screw. I mean, coin tosses can be screwed up. I guess picking out of the hat is science. It, it can't be. You <laughs> right. know, you can't mess that up. That's old, that's old school. But doesn't fit in line with the World Cup. If we're going to sit there and hold whatever that is a three by three or four by four board that, uh, that looked like the old light bright you know game when the substitutions come in. If we're still doing that. I mean, and again, we, we don't have the clock just keeps running and running. And, oh, add four minutes. Oh, wait a minute. Let's add six minutes. Hey, make it nine minutes. I mean, doesn't really surprise you in this crazy sport, but I love it. Like well, you, I love I, it. I, I, I do. I do. Well, there's a lot of, you know, I, I mean, there's, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time with Europeans over the last couple of years and, and you should see them make fun of our sports. Oh yeah. It's like, Hey, Hey Jay. How many timeouts do the Lakers have left? Twenty five or twenty four? <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, and they're like, oh, hey, are you going to bring those chains out to measure? Like <laughs> chains out. It's like, why don't you just take a measuring tape instead of bringing those things out? They they were mocking, you know, all of you know. They say, oh, you know, you guys flop. It's like, what you you guys have passed interference every time you throw an incomplete pass. <laughs> At least you want. Uh, a penalty is it? Is it just natural for your receivers to once they miss the pass or the pass is incomplete to mm. automatically do the flag symbol thing? Mm. You know, yeah. penalty, penalty, <laughs> penalty. It's like after every incomplete pass. So those guys make fun of our sports as well, right? And right. Uh, and and, and the, you know what? They're both right. We're 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 right to make fun of some of the craziness that surrounds soccer, and you know, uh, some of the things that uh, they. <laughs> You know, uh, they make fun of our sports. It's actually legit. It it, it, it doesn't make sense sometimes. It's true. That's uh, true. That's true. All right, my friend. Let's uh, go real quickly to the NFL game tonight. We got Buffalo and New England. Good contest. Uh, give give us some thoughts on on where the money's coming in at here. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, this line's come down quite a bit, and uh, you know the Bills. Uh, you know how they were the league's darling team uh early in the season uh when they just looked like they were so unbeatable I, obviously they've come back to earth they've had some injuries Allen hasn't been playing as, as great we opened five it got to five and a half for a while and then it's just been dropping ever since and uh, we actually took a, a pretty sizable bet on the patriots at plus three and a half yesterday and uh, we still remain at three and a half but the action is um 
I'd say uh, more money on the Patriots, there's no doubt, but certainly more tickets on the Bills. And I think a lot of people would think, hey, there's some good value here with Buffalo. But then again, you know, Buffalo, if you look at the rivalry here, you know, Buffalo's defeated New England four of the last five times, outscoring him 71 to 30 in those games since 2020. And Josh Allen's been fantastic against the Patriots, 14 touchdowns, only one interception. But as we know, Buffalo, they've been struggling here in November. I mean, you know, losing to the Vikings and the Jets. One and four against the number in their last five games. So I, I think it's a very interesting game. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this one tonight, but I, I kind of think there's some value with, with the Bills. And I think, you know, we all think that, okay, you know, Buffalo, you know, they're going to turn around here. Uh, calendar clicks over to December. We're getting ready for the postseason. Yeah, it, it's time for Buffalo to go. Well, this is a big game for the Bills. Yeah. You, know, you know, they're sitting at eight and three, uh, tied with the, the Dolphins. You know, you've got Kansas City right there, nine and two. I mean, if they have any hope of, you know, getting that first or second seed in the playoffs is, is like critical. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming through the wild card ranks is just, it's almost impossible. Only, I think only two teams have done that, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, you have to win that division. I mean, there's, and being tied with the Dolphins, one game behind the, the, uh, Chiefs, and then you got, Teams that are right behind you, whether what is it, Bengals, Ravens, Bengals look like you better keep an eye on them as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been slowly, all right, um, unsuspectingly, kind of just doing and taking care of business and all without, you know, Jamal Chase. You know, they didn't have Mixon last week. This is a big game for the Bills. And I agree with you. I think there's, there's a little bit of value there. I thought five, four and a half was the right number. Bills minus three and a half. I, you know, it, it, Allen's just got to play better. He's just got to take better care of the ball. I mean, you can't have those turnovers. Right. Well, you guys are Bills fans tonight, it sounds like. So there you go. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, that, that, that rarely happens. But, yeah. it, you know, it, people, they get it. They understand. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Yep. If you stop, you know, you know, you look at the local team, the Raiders, you know, they, they all build on the Raiders. And then all of a sudden they got a couple of wins. Now, you know, oh, a lot of people are talking about the Raiders this week. They like the Raiders over the Chargers. I go, so it's really what have you done for me lately, and the Bills certainly haven't done much for those supporters. All right, he is Jay Cornegay over at the Westgate at the world-famous Superbook. Jay, to be continued tomorrow when we're out there, we got a lot of college football to talk about, championship games, including tomorrow night's game with USC and Utah, So, uh, and we'll talk more NFL tomorrow when we're on site. But uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yeah, that's a big game. Uh, guys, just give you a current update on that game. USC minus two and a half, total is 66 and a half. That game starts at five. Right. It's right. uh, being held right down the street at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. Should be a great game. I heard it sold out. So yeah, it is. Vegas does it again. I'm going to be making a mad dash, man, uh, just signing off at four and getting down to Allegiant tomorrow. So we'll talk there more about go. that tomorrow, brother. Appreciate you as always. We'll see you and John tomorrow and the whole uh, great crew at the Westgate. All right. Have a good night, TC. You got Thanks, it, brother. Man. Thank you. Appreciate him. Jay Cornegay, the vice president of race and sportsbook operations at the Superbook. All right. We come back. The quarterback, Jay Schrader, is going to join us. We'll talk to Jay as well as Scott Spritzer. Start handicapping the weekend action. Oh, yeah. Our number two on the way. A lot more football here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the TC Martin Show. Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. Live. 
in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you run it straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside of The doctor is now in. Number two on this Thursday edition. Glad to have you with us. I want to thank Jay Cornegay and TJ Reeves. Join us hour number one. You miss any part of the show. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check all of that out. Any of the past episodes are also available wherever you get your podcasts. All right? Apple, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All there for you. Hour number two. We're going to talk to Scott Spritzer in a little bit. Start handicapping. The weekend action like we do each and every Thursday and Friday. And don't forget, speaking of Friday, we'll be at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook, between 2 and 4 p.m. tomorrow. Best bet segment, Marco D'Angelo will be joining me out there as well with other special guests. So come on by, see the show live. And we start this hour with the quarterback, the uh, former championship quarterback with the Washington Redskins back in the day. And, of course, Longtime quarterback for the Raiders, the one and only, our very good friend, Jay Schrader. Jay, what's going on, my man? Not much. How are you, TC? You I'm, doing well? I'm doing well, brother. Feeling good. I mean, who who cannot be well when, you know, you got all of this to talk about? I mean, of course, we're coming down to the final, you know, weekend, championship weekend of college football, week 13 of the NFL. And of course, the final group stage days where I get to rant and, and just rip in the world of soccer for its archaic, chaotic mode. I mean, it's December, Jay. Here we go. You got to love it, right? You got to love it. I mean, it's enough to keep you going for a little while, isn't it? It is, man. It is. I think I, I'm going to need some help, though. I need some more throat lozenges because I'm tired of yelling at my TV, yelling at, at, uh, at, at listeners and guests and, and everything else. So what are you going to do? Well, the good news is, as you watch the soccer, you get to watch everybody fall down for no reason. <laughs> and, you're, and you just look at it and you go, okay, why are you falling down? And then they're in thriving pain. And then three minutes later, they're running. So, you know, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing, this world of soccer. Oh, you, you, it's so insane. And, uh, you know, for people who've been listening the whole hour, I'm, I, I got to repeat it again because it's just, it's so, it's such a crazy thing. And I'm sure that you're probably, not aware of like most people aren't, but you know, as you get to this group stage, there's so many tiebreakers that are involved. Right. And I think uh, most people don't know how these tiebreakers go. And in Germany went home, they went one, one and one after defeating Costa Rica four to two today because they lost on goal differential. So they lose on goal differential to Spain. And then there is a goal by Japan, you know, cause they have, you know, since we have instant replay, I say we, all of our United States sports and everything, they decide, well, we got to go to re- replay and they can't even get the replay right, Jay. It's crazy. This ball was clearly <laughs> over the line, uh, that, uh, they allowed Japan a goal. It shouldn't have been. And Germany would have went through. Instead, Japan goes through and it's crazy. But here's the thing. Yesterday, with uh Mexico and Denmark and you know the France game uh, in Tunisia they had to go through the tiebreakers and the, so the tiebreakers to see who advances is a 
All right, whoever has the most points, you know, and if there's a tie there, which there was, it then goes to goal differential. Well, there was a tie there, so now we gotta go to the next one, and the next one was who has the fewest yellow cards? All right, so that's like going to the NFL. Is like, okay, well, you see, you guys had uh, eight penalties, you guys only had five. Congratulations, you get to go through. Congratulations, Tampa Bay. But it gets even worse than this, Jay. What do you think? And it was close yesterday that I think if Mexico would have had one more ye- uh, yellow card, it would have came down to the fourth and final tiebreaker. Take a wild guess what the fourth and final tiebreaker is in World Cup action. I don't know if you wear the color green you're in. It's pretty know. close. You know? Pretty close. Well, most people think, well, what are you going to do? It's like maybe it's a coin flip. You know? So true story, uh, an official for FIFA gathers a representative from the, the two teams that are still tied. They gather at an undisclosed location, and they say it's usually a restaurant. They give them a nice little meal, have a little vino, and then they determine who goes on and who goes home. And how do they do that? Draw your name out of a hat. Nice. True story. Nice. True story. Out of a hat. You know, I think... I think there's a job for you as commissioner of all this. I think <laughs> right. I think that's what they really need. Somebody to come in, stir the pot, you know, run around with your little bald head and yeah. yell, yell at everybody and see what you can do. I mean, you, you would you would be world famous. Just think about that. Listen, could, I don't need to make. stir the pot. I need to fix the pot because the pot is obviously broken over there, you know? <laughs> Insane. And I take it you've uh, never been a soccer fan, right? I have never really been a soccer right. fan, but uh, Can't blame you know, yeah. you know there there are some pretty good athletes that play it, and I appreciate that. But um, no, I'm old school. wasn't raised on soccer, and uh, it, it is what it is. I just wonder who, uh, where we see more flops now in the NBA or in soccer. Oh man, that's a toss up, isn't it? It is right. And did Vladdy Divac ever play soccer? That's, he must have, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think everybody should become a swimmer and then play like, you know, Tim Duncan, because that was the ultimate, right? He grew up as a swimmer, and That's he was right. like, all he knew was hard work, getting beat up, and everything else. So yeah. he got in the NBA, he was like, oh, no big deal, this is easy. So, you know, got to raise our children right, I guess. You know, <laughs> if they watch soccer, they learn how to flop and do all this fun stuff. There it is. He is not a striker or a midfielder. No, he's the quarterback, Jay Schrader, that uh, joins us now. All right, my friend. Hey, I'm looking forward to our, the Pac-12 championship game. I know uh, we attended that thing together last year. Uh, looking forward to going tomorrow night. I think we got ourselves a good one, too. we got USC and Utah. And we remember last year, Jay, I mean, Utah showed up and Oregon did not show up. Remember, we went Correct. through the coaching change and Thibodeau already, you know, made up his mind. He was going to be a first round pick and man, Utah just drilled him. And then we saw Utah go to the Rose Bowl and give Ohio State everything they could. Well, here's Utah back in it again and they have a chance to really upset this apple cart, so to speak, with uh, USC sitting at number four now behind Georgia, Michigan and TCU. Big game for USC. Uh, we know that Utah is going to show up tomorrow night. So uh, give me your thoughts. Pac-12 championship tomorrow at Allegiant. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, and you're right. Utah is the one team out there right now that can 
throw this whole top four into a tailspin, you know, because if they go out and they they beat USC, you know, which they've already done, right? Right. It's not like they and they're a good football team, no question about it. They can do that, but that just throws the whole that throws the whole Pac-12 out of it again. Okay, I mean you're out. Nobody's going to look at the Pac-12, um, you know, to do that. And you know, if it's a close game and they win, SC will drop a few. They'll still be out of it. But you know, this is going to be nationally, you know, for the college football playoffs, this is a game, you know, added pressure on USC. They got to go in and they got to play and they got to play well because everybody's watching. Uh, You know, it's a Friday night game. Nobody else is playing. So everybody's going to be watching this thing. So a lot of pressure on USC to see if they can step up and and match and knowing they're playing a team that's already beat them. So uh, it should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Utah won that game 43-42. to And we've seen the USC high-octane offense where um, they they defeated Notre Dame last week and then the crazy game where about 100 points were scored uh, in the game against UCLA the week before. Sorry, my condolences with that. But, uh, you know, that, that track meet was, you know, as we talked to the UCLA alum here and Jay Schrader. But uh, so I know that you, you cannot be rooting for USC tomorrow at all. I mean, it may want to be the few times that you wear some red, but it better be Utah red tomorrow, right? Yeah, you know, I'm torn because, you know, I've had kids go to Utah and uh, obviously SC. But, you know, if if I'm looking for the Pac-12 to make a comeback, SC's got to win. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that. That's the bottom line. It really is the bottom line. You know, as, as good as Utah is, you know, unfortunately, if they win the, the Pac-12 championship, no Pac-12 team is going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, in order for a team to be in, it's going to have to be SC and, you know, Luckily, I have some good friends that went to SC, and hopefully they'll forgive me. But uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be going to be a tough game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of points scored, um, and it's going to may come down to who can take care of that football. Because I have a feeling there's going to be a defense that steps up that scores six or twelve points just on defense, you know, um, by themselves. Just just because of the way the game's going to go, I think it's going to be high scoring and. Somebody makes a mistake. One of the defenses is probably going to score a couple of times, and that's going to be the difference in the game. Wait, wait. Are you now saying that it's actually you know okay, and you're not going to give me a bad time if I wear a USC shirt tomorrow? Because before I've I've got ridicule. I've got ridicule from you for that. Well, I'm still going to give you a bad time, but you know, yeah. I mean, you ask me as an analyst who I need to win. That that would be SC. But when you show up in that ugly color, yes, I'm going to give you a hard time. Yeah, there's no question about it. So, but you know, you're too old and stubborn to learn anything new. Listen, that baby blue does look good. I got to say, it does look good. There you go. There you go. Baby blue and white and gold, no question. All right, so. We got USC. We got Utah tomorrow. Be interesting to see if, uh, the Utah defense can, can stop SC. And that would throw things into kind of a quandary, Jay. And I'm one of these guys that I just like Alabama. And I think Alabama, you know, it would deserve a shot to be in there if either TCU or USC loses. I don't want to, after what we saw last week with Ohio State, I don't want any more conversation about Ohio State and the college football playoff. I mean, the way they got right. beat down to, to Michigan, and I get it, that was their only loss. But, you know, sometimes this committee gets stuck on you know, how many losses. Well, if you look at Alabama, they had two losses, you know, by a point, uh, and on the last play of the game, 
And we know definitely Alabama is playing better football right now. Now, granted, US, right. uh, Ohio State and Alabama, can they're not playing this week, so they cannot improve their position. But give me the eye test here, my friend. Where do you, If one of those two teams loses, who, get, who should get in, Alabama or Ohio State? Or, or, or USC? Yeah, you know, well, it, it comes down to the game. It, unfortunately, if SC loses, they're not going to get in, okay? Because right. you lost to the same team twice. Right. Um, and that's going to be a big deterrent. Um, but I, I agree with you. Alabama's playing really good football uh, right now. Ohio State, yeah, the last time we looked at them, they got drummed in the fourth quarter, you know? Um, so it comes down to that eye test. And uh, the committee is going to be torn. Yes, Alabama's been there all the time, but guess what? They deserve to be there all the time. They're that good a football team. And as you said, they, you know, one a one point loss here, uh, you know, and you hold that against them, it could be very interesting. The committee's going to, that's going to be a tough one for the committee. It's going to come down between those two. If SC loses or TCU loses, one of those two schools will be in. Mm-hmm. If they both lose, they're both going to be in. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about TCU and Kansas State? Now, again, like the USC-Utah game, it's it's basically under a field goal. I mean, USC's favored by two yeah. and a half. TCU's favored by two and a half against K-State. These two teams met about four or five weeks ago, and TCU won 38-28. And that score a little deceiving because uh, TCU, you know, outscored, basically shut out Kansas State, um, you know, in the fourth quarter there. But I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched here. They both got pretty sound, you know, running games, uh, both pretty sound defenses. Uh, what are your thoughts in, in the Big 12 championship game? Well, I think K State's going to have to run the ball just to keep it out of the offense of TCU. Um, they've got to kind of control the clock a little bit better than they did in the first game. Um, they let TCU have too many chances in that first game. So uh, that's going to be my key. Uh, in that game, if Kansas State can run the ball, eat up some time, and limit the possessions of TCU, uh, they have a chance to win that thing. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, I look at it, as I just said, you know, say T, say TCU and USC both lose, mm-hmm. right? Right. Then I, I would throw in Ohio State and Alabama. Right. You can't I'm with penalize you. if we're not playing. You know. Right. So it's it's an interesting week. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of debate. Um, no matter what happens. Come Monday, everybody's going to have an opinion and a debate, you know, depending, you know, oh, SC didn't score enough points or they didn't do that. You know, somebody's going to have something to say. Um, but uh, let's let it play out and then we can figure it out. First time that in my in recent memory that I can remember we have an SCC championship game that has a point spread of 17 and a half. And that's Georgia and LSU. And, you know, LSU is in this conversation up until the last two weeks about potentially getting in the playoff. Uh, Georgia, a huge favorite here. Uh, how do you see this game going on? Well, I see Georgia winning it. Georgia's the best team in the country. Okay, that's there's no doubt about it. But here again, LSU's got enough talent. Say Georgia turns the ball over three times, and LSU plays well. And all of a sudden, the game's, you know, 28-27. What, what do you do then? Right? Right. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot to, to be determined, I think, you know, Georgia is the better team. Georgia is the best team in the country, but they have to go out and play. They have to nominate LSU, and I think they will. Uh, I really do. I think LSU kind of hit its peak and has had some tough losses. I think they're in a tough spot. You know, I'm like you. Can can TCU run the table, and can SC win the game? Those are the two that I'm looking at. I, you know, 
So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think I think Georgia's going to win that game. And 17, I don't think it's going to be 17, but I think it's going to be, you know, 12 to 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Jay Schrader joins us. 17's a lot. It is, no question. All right, uh, before we leave the college aspect here, obviously, you know, uh, news this week here, the UNLV head coaching situation, Marcus Arroyo relieved of his duties. Uh, Now uh, Eric Harper's got a big decision to make here. I've talked about it the last couple uh, days here, Jay, that I think that, you know, this this is a time where UNLV can actually make a statement. Their program is probably in the best shape that it's ever been. And I don't mean for returning players. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is just the facilities, the budget that they have to work with, playing your games at Allegiant Stadium, the state of of our great city here in Las Vegas, you know, being the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Uh, I just, I would love to see Eric Harper, you know, just go a different route. It just seems like they've, they've tried these experiments, you know, whether, and I love Tony Sanchez, but you know, you know, not hiring a high school coach, not hiring an offensive coordinator, not hiring a defensive coordinator, get a coach that has head coaching experience. And granted, you're probably, you're not going to be able to pull anybody from a current program, but as you and I both know, there are quality candidates out there that may have been out of the game for a year or two, you know, as a head coach, but you know, you need someone that has head coaching experience. I'm curious from your standpoint, uh, where you think the program is right now. Talk a little bit about Marcus Arroyo and then talk about where UNLV should go from here. Well, you know, Marcus Arroyo did a, did a good job. Uh, they improved every year, which is good. Um, as you said, the facilities, everything is, is getting much better. I agree with you. They can't go out and get an experiment. They've got to get somebody with some experience, somebody that's been at a program, that's run a program, you know, and I like your thought. Maybe somebody that's out a year or something like that, go see what they could do. Um, Try to make a splash. They're at that point, and they can, with the transfer portal now, with the facilities, they make the right head coaching, you know, decision. They can get a lot of people in here to come because, you know, everybody's transferring every year from every school, so... Uh, you can get a lot of good quality players and turn the program around in, in a hurry. So I agree with you. They've got to get somebody that's got a good reputation that's been there, done this before, not somebody that's going to give it a shot. You know, we're all familiar with the the losing history the, going back to this program. I mean, it's just been dreadful for decades, right? How close <laughs> do you think it, it, that this program is to actually, you know, turning the corner and being able to compete for a Mountain West championship, considering all the things that you and I just talked about? Well, I think, yeah, I think if they get the right head coaching higher, I think you can do it in two years because of the transfer portal. Right. That makes a, that makes a world of difference. You know, it used to be a three or four year process because you'd have to give them two two recruiting classes, right? Uh, to get these guys and get them in there, get the system and see if they can go. But the transfer portal, I mean, you're getting guys in that you you know can go in and play, right? You're you're bringing them in for that reason. Uh, otherwise, you don't use the transfer portal. You bring guys in that can help your program immediately. So um, that's going to be the thought process. So, yes, I'm very interested to see who they hire and uh, where they go because I think they have a chance. You know, everybody's coming – you know, it used to be Vegas was just a spot to go gamble. It's it. You're right. It's the sports capital. We got the Final Four coming now. We, you know, we've got everybody. Formula. Everybody is coming to Vegas, and this is going to be a place where the university UNLV should have a good football team, and they should 
be able to compete in the Mountain West within two years. You got it. All right, Jay Schrader joins us. All right, Jay, let's talk Raiders-Chargers this week. Raiders coming off back-to-back victories, both in overtime fashion. And now you got the Chargers coming to town, coming off that big comfort-behind victory over Arizona last week where they decided to go for two at the end of the game, and it, it paid off. We saw two games in that way on Sunday. We saw Jacksonville do that to Baltimore as well, too. And we know that Brandon Stately is is a gambler. Uh, we've seen him go for it his own 18-yard line, 30-yard line, going for I mean, they needed that right. game last week, and just think if that would have went south. They would have been under 500. Now they come in here, right. ride momentum, and we know what Justin Herbert's all about. Talk a little bit about this Chargers team and – the rejuvenated Raiders that we've seen in the last couple of weeks? Well, the, I mean, the key is obvious here, and it's going to be interesting. The, the Raiders are going to have to run the ball because they've got to keep Herbert off the field. Um, so that's going to be the number one key. So how healthy is Josh Jacobs after what he's done? You know, he's been a little banged up, but they've got to be able to do that. And the other thing on, on the Raiders' defense, they're going to have to get a pass rush. How how often can they just pin their ears back and go get uh, Abear, you know, Justin Abear there to, to throw? Because if they have any type of running game or quick passing game that slows that pass rush down, you know, he's going to pick you apart. The kid can throw it. I mean, he's he. I am very impressed on what he can do. So uh, it's going to be a fun day, and I'm looking forward to being there. And uh, you know, we all remember what happened last year at the end of the year when they were battling for that playoff spot. So that was a heck of a game. We're looking for a repeat. Yeah, no doubt. It was a fantastic uh, game. And uh, again, you know, the Raiders got hot at this time last year. Are you kind of feeling that sense uh, that this could they could put together a little run, especially considering you know the schedule or? It, what is your thoughts about where the Raiders are at right now? Uh, I think they need to put together a run um, for their own mental well-being. They've won a couple of games, you know, which has been great, okay? But they've won them in, you know, close fashion. They need to come out. They need to be able to, you know, spend the last four minutes of a game kind of relaxed going, hey, you know, we we played, you know, almost 60 minutes of complete football instead of, hey, we got to go play three minutes, you know? Um and that's what it's been. They've been spurts. Last week was the first time that it's carried over for any length of time. Um, and I knew, I'd like to see them continue that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's take a look at uh, some other NFL action uh, for this weekend. Tonight, we've got Buffalo and, and the Patriots. Uh, the Bills are 8-3. and three, Patriots at 6-5. and five. They're hanging around there. Uh, we know these two teams uh, have a heated rivalry. And uh, Buffalo has owned the Patriots, winning four of the last five. And Josh Allen has just been fantastic uh, during the, his uh, matchups with the Patriots going back uh, since 2020. 14 touchdowns, only one pick. Uh, what are your thoughts of, about tonight's game? And uh, how real do you think the Patriots are? Uh, I'm not buying the Patriots. Uh, I think the Bills are going to take care of business tonight. Um, as good as the Patriots defense and as good as Coach Belichick is designing different things, the difference maker is Josh Allen. Uh, he can run on you. He can throw it on you. Uh, he can do everything possible. And he's just kind of dominated the, the Patriots, and I expect that to continue tonight. So um, I like the Bills. I, you know, we discussed this early on when I was there that Bills, I think, are going to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to stay with that. I think they're the team to mm-hmm. – all right. When we look at um, 
you know, the situation there in Cleveland, you're going to get Deshaun Watson, who will actually make his season debut here tonight. And, uh, of course, we know the NFL orchestrated this uh, because they're playing the Houston Texans, uh, his, his former yeah, team. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that works? Oh, yeah. Jeez. So, obviously, the game is is not really important for either team. The Browns are 4-7, and seven, but the Texans are 1-9-1. Uh, what what is your take? You know, from a locker room standpoint, if you're the Cleveland Browns here, I mean, the circus is back. Now you got a guy that really you know hasn't been with you. I mean, he's you know been able to attend some practices and that sort of thing. But you know, you got Jacoby Brissett. He's out of a job again now. Knowing all the baggage that Deshaun Watson brings, what do you think this is going to be like for the Browns? Not only this week, but for the rest of the season. You know, it's. It's just going to be a circus. I can't. There's no other way to describe it. How can it not be, right? I mean, there's just there's just way too much stuff outside of the football building that you have to deal with, and that's going to wear on everybody. Because no matter no matter what happens on the field, okay, no matter what happens on the field, there's going to be critics. How can there not, right? I mean, it's not like it was one or two incidents, right? There's a lot going on. So, um, you know, I just hope for the whole organization, as far as the Cleveland Browns, that he plays well. Because if he doesn't play well, you know it's going to get ugly. And it's going to get ugly in a hurry. That leash is going to be short. Um, people on the outside, I know I would have a short lease, right? I mean, like, what's this guy doing? You know, how many chances are we going to give somebody? So, you know, it's it's a tough spot for Cleveland. You know, they jumped in, tried to do it, and, uh, you know, see what they can do. Uh, but he, Deshaun's going to have to go in and play well and win people over on the field, that's for sure. A guaranteed contract, too, Jay. A guaranteed contract yeah. of a ridiculous amount of money for this guy. Exactly. Uh, it just it just seems, seems well, crazy. It seems yeah, wrong. You know, well, yeah, it is wrong. Okay, let's be perfectly clear. It is, it is wrong. There's no question about that. And not only did they give him a crazy amount of money, but he set the entire league upside down because of that, right? I mean, everybody else is looking like, well, the dude hasn't played in over a year. Well, how, how can he get that money? You're like, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and I can't blame Deshaun if they're offering him that. I'd put my name down too, right? Right. And, yeah. You know, I can't. You know, but as as an organization, I just I would have been Larry from day one, and I think the the jury is still out there. As I said, I hope he plays well because that'll calm some of it down. If he doesn't play well, it's I think it's going to get ugly. Mm. All right. Final thing here for you. I know you still keep a close tab on. Washington, it's hard for me to say the Commanders, but intriguing game this week. Uh, they're taking on the Giants. Um, we know that the Eagles look like they're going to win that division going away, but there are playoff implications for this team. And Washington has played well. I mean, they're going for their fourth straight win uh, against the Giants here. Uh, give me your thoughts about Tyler Heineke, what the what Washington brings to the table, Ron Rivera, and going against this Giants team who have you know started off fast, but now we're starting to see the old Giants come back to form here. Right. Yeah. Well, what Washington? Yeah. Whatever they call themselves now, I'll say we'll stick with Washington, just like you. <laughs> um, what they have is they have a tremendous front seven. Uh, there's no, on defense. There's no question about it. And those guys can control the game and that their defense has played extremely well. 
uh, and they kept him in games. And yes, Tyler Heineke has done some good things, no question about it, but he hasn't been amazing. It's not the Tyler Heineke show. It's the defense that gets him there. It's the defense that's going to keep him there. It's going to be the defense that wins the game, you know, if they go that way uh, on Sunday with the Giants. So it's going to be an interesting matchup um, because the Giants are going to have to try to establish some type of run. And uh, once we know, that you're right. They're on the downslide. So can they get it together for this game? I don't know. But I think both teams are middle of the pack. I'm not too excited about either team, you know, at this point. But uh, the Washington defense is, is their strong suit, no question about it. Yeah, and they're doing all this without Chase Young, who's still been injured. And right. they're going to get him back here maybe this week, probably next week. But uh, that makes that defense even stronger. So Stronger. We'll continue to watch it. All right, brother, appreciate uh, the time as always. We'll look forward to uh, getting you back uh uh, on location at the Westgate, I believe, next week. So we'll look forward to that. Yes. And uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the Pac-12 game as well as uh, the Raider-Charger game on Sunday. we got some good football here in town coming up this weekend. Looking forward to it. Sounds good, my friend. Have a good one. You got it. There he is, Jay Schrader, the quarterback. There he is, Super Bowl champion, Jay Schrader, and former Raider quarterback as well. All right, we come back. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We'll talk with him. We'll start handicapping the conference championship games as well as NFL Week 13. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. Don't forget, join us at the Westgate tomorrow. Best bet segment, a whole lot more. Handicapping the college football championship games this weekend, the conference championships, as well as the NFL and a whole lot more, as always. All right, speaking of handicapping, let's get to it. Bring in our handicapper extraordinaire, one of the best, as we well know, Scott Spritzer. Doc Sports, my man, was shaking as we got a little earth, wind, and fire for you, my man. Yeah, I got you in the background there. I can hear that. <laughs> How's it going, man? I know you're bobbing your head a little bit, so you can appreciate it. There we go. That's right, of course. All right, man. What's happening? How much of this World Cup are you even betting on? Uh, nine games thus far, sitting at seven and two after Morocco cashed this morning. So Morocco, uh, it's been a real nice World Scott Cup. Sprites are had Morocco. That's a big doggy, man. There you go. I mean, they were doing all right. I think we got plus a buck fifteen with them this morning, so uh, they went on to get the win. I'm just, uh, you know, two World Cups in a row, TC, that the mm. boys mm. from Deutschland aren't moving forward out of the opening round. That, that, that's a little scary. I'm disgusted, man. It's it's been a it's been a rough morning for me, man. I tell you, uh, it's just it's it's sad. It's just it's sad. And uh, there's a lot of reasons, you know, for that. But, uh, I mean, I, I really applaud their effort today. I mean, coming back with three unanswered goals, but it didn't matter. And again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame, you know, Costa Rica on this. Uh, you know, again, you know, you think you go one, one and one, you could advance and you're supposed to be one of the top 16, you know, uh, best teams in the, in the world. We know that, but you know, when you, when Spain beats Costa Rica 7-0 in a World Cup match, I mean, that's just, like, unbelievable. You're not going to overcome a goal differential like that. Yes, Germany right. gave the game away against Japan, no question about it. 
The game against Spain was a draw. That was nice. Okay. Today, they looked great in the first half again. Then they looked bad. Some defensive miscues, major defensive miscues, but they were able to rally back and win four to two, but they don't, uh, they don't advance, um, because of a goal differential, but it is what it is, right? And, uh, just, it's not the same type of, of, of strong German team. That, uh, we're used to seeing, you know, especially you go back to 2014 when they won it all and even, you know, uh, 2010, 2006. So yeah, very, very disturbing, Scott. And especially when you mention you get a Morocco that's going through and you have, you know, other teams, you know, the USA. Netherlands. Yeah. USA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's three or four Senegal teams like that that right. are going through that, uh, you know, but hey, we talked about this before, that it was going to be an unusual World Cup because it's in Qatar, it's in November, uh, it's in the Middle East, but hey, you know, does this mean there's more parity in soccer, or is this just one of these kind of strange World Cups? Yeah, I'm not going to call it parody until I see it happen a couple of times. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we got to wait four years for it to, to take place again, but, you know, if you're Germany, you just can't lose the game to Japan. And I'm not trying to take away too much from Japan, but Germany is one of the top 16 teams of the world, even though they're not, you know, what they were two World Cups ago, for instance. But you just can't lose that game. And, and they were shaky today. I mean, you're yeah. playing Costa Rica, you're down 2-1. to one. You know, come on, this is a bad soccer team, Costa Rica. They, they should have won that game. That, that should be a 6 nothing final if you're Germany and you're playing for your lives. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's tough for them. I, I think... I don't know, TC. I think, you know, I'm looking at that UCLA-Netherlands game, and I'm kind of leaning towards an under. I, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, Netherlands being an older team than what we've grown used to seeing them play over the last 10 years, and that is true. But I'm all, And they're also talking about the fact that, you know, the Netherlands isn't like Iran where they, you know, basically line up everybody in the middle on defense and force the USA to go outside. They're going to let the USA play more to what they like. But having said that, it's almost, I've seen people flip the switch. I've seen people actually saying, there's only one side to bet between Iran and USA, take Iran or nothing. And then come back two days later or three days later and say, there's only one side to take and this one would be the USA. <laughs> the same people. As far as I'm concerned, there are two sides you could play in this game. And, uh, but I think under might not be a bad way to go. I'm, you know, just because Netherlands plays a defensive set that's a little bit more to the liking of the USA doesn't mean that the USA is all of a sudden going to find an offensive attack that puts, you know, the biscuit in the basket, so to speak, because they haven't done that as of yet. They haven't found an offensive attack. Well, they have two goals in the World Cup thus far. Right. And the thing with Nether, I agree with you as far as it being under, and I see this thing even going into extra time here. Hey, Scott, this could even go to penalty kicks because the Netherlands, they're not an offensive juggernaut. I mean, I can't remember the right. last time you, you got to go way back when and they've scored more than two goals in a match. So I can see this thing, you know, being one, one, maybe a two, one final, something along those lines, because I don't see either team really lighten it up. And the Netherlands will play close to the vest. So I'm, I'm with you. I like that under a lot. And again, as we know, when it's the first, you know, stage of the knockout rounds, uh, yeah, they're going to be very, very tentative. It's going to be possession yeah. type of football. No question about it. Nobody's going to take real chances on the attack into the pitch. And also, you can find some two and a halfs out there. You got to lay a buck fifty ish with the two and a half if you like it under, but there are some out there. And, you know, for those who want to bet the over, there are plenty of twos. There's more twos than two and a halfs. But there are two and a halfs in Las Vegas. You just got to shop around and you got to be willing to lay that price and, of course, play it in regulation 
uh, on that total on the under. So uh, you don't have to worry about any extra time. But um, anyway, bottom line is I think that one stays under. I looked a little bit at the, you know, what's left of the World Cup. And, you know, Spain almost actually didn't get through. Yeah, <laughs> it was looking a little scary. Right? Uh, but again, it, isn't it Brazil and nothing else? I mean, I don't want to say that there's only one team to bet. Uh, and I remember talking to somebody who was uh, producing a show before this all started, and they said, you know, hey, who do you like? And I said, you know, I go, I know there's not value on this on this club, but how can you bet against Brazil? And you could go out there right now, you know, for instance, Brazil plays Cameroon on Friday. I think it's an 11 a.m. Pacific kickoff. And you can go out there right now, and you can lay the 250 or 270 or 280. It's all the way up to 290 in some spots. Or you can do what they've done. They've just been a beast on the defensive end. And you could play the prop Brazil to win uh, by nil to hold the uh, Cameroonians to, uh, to scoreless. You know, the nice clean sheet. And if you want to bet Brazil to win by shutout, uh, you get about a dollar fifteen on that. So, you know, there's ways to play Brazil. And I know they're not going to go with their top players for the entire 90 in this game on Friday because they don't have to. But their depth is ridiculous. You know, it's not like there's going to be that big of a let up. Right, I agree. Yeah, Brazil definitely looks like the team to beat uh, at this stage. All right, man, let's uh, turn our attention to some college football here and a couple coaching you know, situations. Uh, I know you're originally from Nebraska. You bleed big red, and the Huskers make a head coaching uh, change here, actually the signing of Matt Rule, which uh, is getting a lot of notoriety here. Uh, Scott, this really seems like a good hire. What are you thinking and what are you hearing from back there as far as Matt Rule being a good fit in the Huskers program? I think it's a great move. You know, there was a lot of fans who wanted, of course, things have changed over the last 24 hours, sad situation, but for his family, but a lot of folks wanted Mickey Joseph to get the, uh, the permanent gig. And I just didn't like that. I, I thought, you know, I've been saying last week before the announcement rule that I just thought you got to go with the proven college football coach. I don't care what he did or did not do in the NFL. If you did, Nick Saban wouldn't be at Alabama for the last decade and a half winning national titles. He was terrible with the Miami Dolphins. So I don't care about the NFL and what he did there. I do care that he can go into a, into a recruit's home and say, I know what it takes to get a player to that next level. Player development was so bad at Nebraska under Scott Frost and Mike Riley, the last two coaches, uh, that it was almost sickening. Every single year, if you watch the recruiting rankings, Nebraska was number one in the Big Ten West ahead of Iowa, ahead of Wisconsin, ahead of Purdue, all those teams, and every year they failed to reach their potential. One of the things that Matt Rule does, he's all about player potential. We saw him do it at Baylor and Temple, who have put a lot of players into the NFL from when he was at those two schools, Temple of all places, and he built those teams into winning teams. But he also is involved in physical or physicality when it comes to college football. And I don't know that a lot of people know this, but Scott Frost eliminated tackling in practice when he got there. He eliminated tackling in spring football, not just for the quarterback, not the old green colored jersey over the regular jersey for the quarterback, hands off there, which I agree with. You weren't allowed to tackle in practice. And they, what were they, I mean, they were known for missed tackles after missed tackles his entire time uh, as head coach at Nebraska. So in comes Matt Rule, and and give Joseph credit too. Uh, It's all about physicality, tackling, getting ready, getting tough, and all that for your opponent. So I'm a big proponent of Matt Rule's hiring. I think it's fantastic. I was a little concerned that they were going to give their interim coach the permanent job. I was a little concerned that 
you know, a guy like uh, what's his face down at Alabama, the offensive coordinator. You know, O'Reilly was going to get the job. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. I was, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah uh, uh, and so I was sitting, or O'Brien, I'm sorry, Bill O'Brien. I was worried about him getting the job. Um, as much as I like Leopold and what he's done at Kansas, he's pushing 60. Matt, Matt Rule comes in, at, you know, in his late 40s. If he can get them eight, nine, ten wins a year, every other, co- you know, every couple of years, uh, appearing in the Big Ten title game or at least winning ten games, you're talking about a guy that could be there for 20 years, and that's what that program needs is stability because it's been anything but that since Tom Osborne resigned and retired. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think it's a great hire. I think his his uh, assistants that he's hired thus far come with uh, you know great potential, and they've already coached in other places that we've seen do, do well. Uh, so I am. I'm really excited about this. I thought of all the guys that have been mentioned, the seven or eight guys over the past three months, Matt Rule was number one on my list. I agree with you. you throw out the, the, what he's done in the NFL. It means absolutely nothing. We know he's a great uh, college coach. And remember, I mean, for what he did at Temple, I mean, you know, that that got him the job, uh, you know, moving on as well, too. So I think it, it seems like a very good fit. So I'm with you 100%. Okay, here locally, we got the UNLV opening now. Uh, we need to put a, people need to put a squash, right? To Scott Frost, because obviously his name is being thrown out there. Not even know if, if, you know, he would be offered the job. Don't even know if a guy, if he would even accept the job. But I know a lot of people will say, well, yeah, he had rough time in Nebraska, but look what he did at UCF. Uh, some thoughts on that. UNLV people, they don't want Scott Frost, do they? I don't know. I'm just, you know, for me, it's like, what a step down for Scott Frost. Of course. And I'm not trying to be rude no, to UNLV. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guy had success at Central Florida for a season or two, and he goes on and he gets what everybody thought. I thought he was going to be good at Nebraska, and he's yeah. obviously, you know, homeboy comes home, so to speak. And, and I thought he was going to do well there, but he had some weird quirks. Like I just said, you know, not tackling in practice. Are you kidding me? No wonder they went out and they couldn't tackle anybody in a game. Uh, he wasn't good at player development. Could he do well at UNLV? Now, maybe. I mean, you know, we saw what Frank Solich did when he got to a mid-level, uh, uh, you know, team when he got fired by Nebraska when he went to Ohio University, turned them in from a perennial loser to a perennial bowl team, always playing for a MAC championship. It seemed like so he could probably do well here. I can't see. I can't see Scott Frost coming to UNLV. Remember, this guy was highly sought after as an offensive coordinator with the Oregon Ducks you know, before he went to Central Florida. And he was great as an OC uh, with the Oregon Ducks. So, yeah, I, I can't see that happening. I haven't really looked at their list of, of contending coaches for this job. Listen, Arroyo, I don't know him personally, and I don't know this personally, but we do know that it's been said that he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, you know, at UNLV. And this is just from the eyes test standpoint. I'd watch his coaches show once in a while. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Now, I'm not saying that was the case. That's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I had no problem with him getting axed. You, get, you win seven out of 30 games, uh, you got to go. That's yep. all there is yep. to it. Absolutely. You, yep. Decent on-campus facilities for a mid-level program, non-power uh, conference program. So they got nice facilities on campus. they got you know the world-class stadium to play in. you got to be able to recruit. And uh, I don't know, like I said, again, I haven't really watched to see who they're looking for. It's a little bit better situation when they played in Sam Boyd Stadium. Let's just say that. And hopefully they can get somebody who wants to be here for a while. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I was highly disappointed, ticked off at the UNLV uh, administration when they got rid of Bobby Hulk. He should have been allowed to build this program. Guys, 115 and 33 at Montana. 
<laughs> you know, and he should have been. And that's the last time they went to a bowl game, by the way, was when he was head coach of the team. And I know his final season, they had a bad record. Yeah. That was the guy they should have kept to build this program. All right, Scott Spritzer joins us. Scott, uh, let's uh, go over these conference championship games real quickly, and let's start here with uh, what we're going to see tomorrow night. A good one in the Pac-12 with playoff implications. USC and Utah. USC, the number open three, got bet down to two and a half. Uh, Give me some thoughts. uh, Who you like and why? Yeah, I like USC minus the two and a half here. I mean, the first meeting, of course, Utah won with the late two-point conversion. They won 43-42, and the game was in Salt Lake, and it is a big deal that it was there because – you know, this one's on the neutral field here in Las Vegas. But when you look at the Utes outside of playing in Salt Lake, they have not been that great. They lose to Oregon. They lost to UCLA. They lost to Florida. All of those games coming on the road. They barely escaped at Washington State. Uh, they won 21-17 in Pullman. They gained less than five yards per play in that game. And I was looking at Cam Rising's numbers. At home, 8.6 yards per pass, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. On the road, in those three losses that I mentioned, 6.6 yards per pass, one touchdown, five interceptions. The guy is just a different animal when he's on the road against a quality opponent. Again, I know it's a neutral site, but it's still not in Salt Lake. And then you got Tavian Thomas. He's out. Fine running back for Utah, their best running back. UCLA won the right, or UC, USC, excuse me, won the rushing game in the first meeting. And they also completely dominated in the trenches against the Irish in that last game. They're healthier. They're more talented. They got the best quarterback in college football, as far as I'm concerned. They were up by two touchdowns on the road in Salt Lake before Utah came back and won that game. And I think the Trojans are going to take care of business in the rematch. All right. All right. Uh, TCU and K-State for the Big 12 Championship. Another game that has playoff implications here. Same point spread here. TCU, two and a half. We know they're undefeated. Uh, they, they met each other, uh, what, four or five weeks ago and 38-28 final in favor of TCU. What do you think? Do you think that we could see an upset here by the Wildcats? Yeah, I do. I mean, that, that final score in that first meeting didn't come close to telling the story right. of the game because the Wildcats led TCU 28-10. to That game was in Arlington, but they're up 18 on TCU. Uh, they gained over 10 yards per play in the first half, Kansas State, and they had already lost Adrian Martinez at quarterback after he threw two passes. So in comes Will Howard, very capable quarterback, and he helped this team get out to that 18-point lead. He got hurt. And so all of a sudden, you're down to a third-string quarterback. Howard came back later in the game after TCU had mounted a bit of a comeback already. And by the time he got back in the game, it's like the context of the game, the momentum, everything had changed and switched sidelines to TCU. And also in that 10-point loss, uh, K-State missed two field goals, and they were minus two when it came to turnovers. I was looking at TCU last week. I didn't watch the game at first. I did record it, and I saw the final score. They beat Iowa State by 48 points. Then I started looking at the replay. I started diving into it a little bit. They got outrushed by by Iowa State. They had a plus 47 total yardage advantage, yet won by 48 points. They had pick sixes returned for touchdowns. A lot of defensive stuff that happened in that game and have fallen apart by Iowa State. There's a ton of pressure on the Horned Frogs that they're not used to facing. I think K-State takes advantage and pulls the upset. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm leaning uh, with you with that. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. All right, we've got some anticlimactic conference championship games. Georgia 17.5 over LSU. Michigan 16 over Purdue. 
Clemson even seven and a half over North Carolina and Clemson the way they lost last week. Uh, you can give us any quick thoughts you want on those games, but I do want to pick your brain on an AAC championship game, which I think is going to be pretty good, and that's UCF and Tulane. Tulane's a three and a half point favorite despite UCF. The Golden Knights winning earlier this year, 38-31. I got my eye on this game a little bit, Scott, and I am impressed with both of these teams, especially the way Tulane's been playing. Yeah, I like the way Tulane's been playing. Plus, you've got a situation with uh, Plumlee, the quarterback for UCF, who's banged up, injured going in uh, to this game. And, of course, great news for Tulane because Willie Fritz uh, basically looks like he's staying now, and he was potentially going to take that job uh, with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So, uh, listen, the line's gone up a little bit from where it opened. You could have laid less than a field goal on this one. I think Tulane comes away, though, uh, with about a six- or seven-point win here, and a lot of that has to do uh, with UCF's quarterback being banged up for this game. We're not sure if he's going to be able to escape pressure when he needs to like he did throughout the course of the season when he was healthier. All right, Thursday night football tonight, Buffalo and the Patriots. Buffalo's had the Patriots number, but we know Buffalo has not played that well the last uh, few weeks. Uh, give us some thoughts on tonight's game. Yeah, and I think it's factored or baked into the line, the fact that they've been struggling a bit. And, of course, you've got New England who's won a couple of games. I, I, I'm going to use this as an example real quickly here. A couple of weeks ago, a lot of folks were on the Jets to finally get the win over New England. They talked about, you know, uh, they've lost to them three times in a row, Zach Wilson 0-3 against them, whatever it was. And they were going to put up a bunch of points, and they were going to beat New England. And I kept saying, all right, I, I get it. Jets, you know, defense good, all that kind of stuff. But their offense stinks, and Zach Wilson has never been able to do anything against Bill Belichick. Three losses, and he was horrible. He's like a 53% passer, two touchdowns, seven picks in those games. So my question was, what makes you think they're all of a sudden or Zach Wilson is going to find a sweet elixir against Bill Belichick's defense, which has completely held him in check and made him look foolish? Well, New England only allowed three points in that game. They outgained it by a couple hundred yards, ended up winning by a punt return, but the point was the Jets did nothing against them. So now we get the Bills and the Pats. And with Josh Allen and what four times he's seen Bill Belichick, they've dominated three of those games. You know, double-digit wins in all three wins. The only loss was that crazy weather game in which you couldn't do anything, and Bill Belichick's team got the job uh, done. I respect New England's defense, number one at EPA, all that kind of stuff. But I think Buffalo gets the wooden cover here. I think this is the spot where the line is low enough, or at least it was earlier before popping up to four. It was low enough where I thought Buffalo has now uh, got some value with it, where they haven't had value the last few weeks. I do like the Bills here tonight. Yeah, value, I agree with you. Finally, Raiders Chargers Sunday, man. What do you think? Boy, I'm telling you what, I'm a little bit disappointed here that the Raiders became a favorite because I wanted <laughs> to use the Raiders and tease them up from you know one, one and a half up to seven, seven and a yeah. half. Now I can't do that. I don't cross favorites when it comes to teasers. I also have kind of a steadfast rule. When in doubt, if the Chargers are favored, take the underdog. I can't do that either now, TC. <laughs> I'm going to lean toward the Raiders of this one, but I really wanted to get them on a teaser as about a 7-8 to eight point underdog. All right. He is Scott Spritzer. Go check him out at DocSports.com. Uh, Scott uh, does a fantastic job, as we know. doesn't matter what the sport is. Uh, and he's firing away and hitting on World Cup. My man, I appreciate you as always. We'll look forward to getting your best bets uh, up on the website. Uh, you can check that out uh, at tcmartinshow.com tomorrow. Brother, have a good weekend, and uh, we got a lot of good, interesting football here in Las Vegas this weekend, so we'll look forward to watching all that. Thanks for having me, TC, man. Have a great one. You too, brother. There is Scott Sprites, my man. All right. want to thank Scott for joining us today, as well as Jay Schrader, the quarterback. 
as well as Jay Cornegay over at the Westgate, the fine vice president and of race and sports there at the world-famous Superbook. And T.J. Reeves joined us from Tampa Bay. All right, we're back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Come on by, say hello, see the show live. Best bets and more tomorrow at the Westgate at the Superbook from 2 to 4 p.m. Miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. And again, you miss any of any of the past shows, go check it all out. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.